You're listening to Perspectives. I am your host, David Howard. Thank you once more for listening today as I value this opportunity to minister to each and every one of you. My prayer is that today's message touches you in a very special way and allows God to keep you in perfect peace until we come together once again. Now I lay me down to sleep, I pray the Lord my soul to keep. That familiar prayer that we pass from childhood, generation to the next, and then the Lord's Prayer we traditionally learn as we grow a bit older and recite it word for word. We bless our food by saying what is referred to as grace, such as Jesus wept or God is great, God is good. Let us thank him for our food. Amen. And while they are not without significance, I ask just as well, are they adequate enough to sustain us in times of crises? Imagine the agony of Jesus' prayer in Gethsemane as the hour of his death approached, uttering the words, let this cup pass from me or from the anguish of the cross saying, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. Or when he cried aloud saying, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? If the savior of the world agonized in prayer, it is likely that we would on occasion as well. But how? Prayer is the hallmark of every Christian's life. It is the bedrock of our salvation. The Bible is completely immersed in prayer, a literary illustration of how we communicate with God and how he converses with us. For example, the book of Psalms, such as the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. That's chapter 23. And hide your word in my heart that I not sin against you. That's in chapter 119. And create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from thy presence and take not thy Holy Spirit from me. And that's in chapter 51. All are a notable place to begin, for it serves as a record of prayers offered unto God by his people. It speaks volumes of one's place and condition that their hearts must be in as a matter of entering into the most holy place in which we are consecrated, set aside as God calls us unto himself. We empty ourselves in order to be filled. God does not measure the length of one's prayer, nor does he bless them based on the fluidity and beauty of the words that we use. If we say nothing at all but pour out our soul before him, he is in tune to the groanings of our heart when our words fail. As David spoke, let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight in Psalm chapter 19 and verse 14. Today's episode is titled, Teach Us How to Pray. By turning to Matthew chapter 6, verses 9 through 13, it reads as such. After this manner, therefore, pray ye, Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, in earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen.
We are provided plenty of illustrations of prayer, but we every so often fail to share its true significance or purpose. Why is it such an indispensable part of our salvation? It is above all how we communicate with God, telling him what is happening in our lives, how we feel, what hurts our heartaches, our need for shelter from sin, our press towards salvation and our desire for contentment when no one else is able to comprehend the gravity of our circumstance. Prayer may be a lot of things, but one thing that it is not is a laundry list of wishes akin to the things that we may ask for on birthdays, holidays, and anniversaries and the such. As in the garden with Adam, our province was always to walk with God, to see plainly what he intends for us. It is our way and opportunity to be transparent in ways we are unable to be with one another, our brothers and sisters in Christ, even though we should be able to. Scripture reminds us that through prayer, our Heavenly Father can give us far more than what the most loving parents can offer, stating in Matthew chapter 7 and verse 11. If ye then, being evil, know how to give good gifts unto your children, how much more shall your Father which is in heaven give good things to them that ask him? In fact, I have never heard of any circumstance becoming worse because someone prayed. It does, however, when that which we lay before the Lord, we either refuse to let it go or take it up once more because we believe he has taken far too long or did not answer in the manner that we expected. Prayer is a biblical principle meticulously woven through the history of God's people. The Bible does, however, reflect twice in the history's narrative of humanity in which the heavens remained silent for a great period of time. That was during the Hebrews' bondage in Egypt and the 400 years preceding the birth of Christ in Bethlehem. While some would sarcastically assume that God was unaware of what was taking place, nothing could be further from the truth. For the people clung to the promises and continued to pray, even though what they sought appeared to be afar off. In fact, the Bible demonstrates as well that it was some time after Adam's original sin before humanity began once again to call upon the name of the Lord. As it reads, and Adam knew his wife again, and she bore a son and called his name Seth. For she said, God has appointed for me another offspring instead of Abel, for Cain killed him. To Seth also a son was born, and he called his name Enos. At that time, people began to call upon the name of the Lord. And that's found in Genesis chapter 4, verses 25 through 26. How many generations have we suffered the absence of God? before we as well begin to call upon him. Our answer to prayer may certainly be delayed, but it does not mean that God is inattentive to our circumstance. From Abraham to Moses, from David to Daniel, Elijah to Nehemiah, prayer remained the bedrock of their faith, their hope clinging mightily to the promise. 
not one of prosperity and fortune, but the preservation of our souls, having witnessed firsthand the richness of his promises. The disciples pleaded with Jesus, saying, Lord, teach us how to pray. And Jesus' response was, After this manner, therefore pray ye. Our Father which art in heaven, that is us recognizing his magnificence and majesty as the creator of all things, he that created the entirety of the universe and breathed the gift of life into all humanity. Hallowed be thy name. That is us declaring his holiness and how it is that we are to approach the throne of glory, emptied of sin that he may accept our offering. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. Meaning we set aside ourselves, our needs, wants, and desires, and trust unequivocally in God's perfect will for our lives trusting that he alone is able to both save and deliver us unto himself as one bought with a price redeemed until the day of his coming. On earth as it is in heaven, that all things return to the original order, that which God intended from the beginning, absent of sin, when he gave us dominion and authority over his creation. Give us this day our daily bread. Is asking to be fed, to be given our daily portion, not necessarily as a means for feeding our natural self due to hunger, but rather our self-starved souls, giving each of us what we need to face the evil we encounter day upon day. Scripture reminds us to take no thought for tomorrow, for sufficient is the evil thereof today, Matthew chapter 6 and verse 34. Tomorrow will take care of itself. Our souls can ill afford to be starved because we either purposely or unintended refuse to feed it its daily portion. Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those that trespass against us. This is acknowledgement that the Lord is going to hold us to account and we're asking him to forgive us for all of our wrong and our sins that we've committed against others and God himself. And likewise, we are to forgive others as well. Those that have offended, those that have sinned against us, those that have made it their mission to preserve ill towards us. If we are unwilling to do so, then God in return cannot rightly address the immediacy of our prayer or intervene on our behalf because we've categorically refused to do as God has commanded and fulfilling the fullness of the law by doing two things to love the Lord your God with all your heart mind soul and strength and the other being like unto it to love our neighbor as ourselves and while we may often question by asking who is my neighbor the answer, absent of the ability to be selective, is all that God has created. Every last one. Matthew chapter 5 and verse 23 through 24 reads, Therefore, if thou bring thy gift to the altar, and there rememberest that thy brother hath aught against thee, leave there thy gift before the altar, and go thy way first to be reconciled to thy brother and then come and offer thy gift. 
Lead us not into temptation. Have you ever wound up somewhere you weren't supposed to be? It's not your intent, but somehow you were there. You can't walk away and you're in too deep to shake yourself free like Samson after having his locks cut by Delilah. We can find ourselves someplace where God's presence is afar off and the forces of evil tighten their grasp upon us until the life that God intended is squeezed from us. Deliver us from evil. In those moments when we are unable to walk away from the grievous environments we've created for ourselves, when we've been overcome by the shadows of darkness and the flicker of light we once had, is long since distinguished. These are circumstances in which there are no earthly answers because like a roaring lion devouring us bit by bit, we realize nobody but God can bring us out. For thine is the kingdom, power, and glory forever. That is yet again us declaring that we know in whom all power and authority rests that nothing can occur without his knowledge, proclaiming the beauty of his glory as written in John chapter 10 and verse 28. And it says, and I give unto them eternal life and they shall never perish, neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. By turning to Luke chapter 18 and verse one, and it reads, and he spake a parable unto them to this end that men ought always pray and not faint. Prayer applies to us all. Certainly God is omnipotent and omnipresent, and he knows our innermost thoughts, but that does not mean he is a mind reader where we arise at the beginning of each day and sleep at the setting of the sun, expecting God to always intervene on our behalf when we have not set aside any time to talk with him, to conversate with him. We must, without coercion of our own accord, come to him by way of prayer. He has given us free will, free choices, and plenty of options, even though he bids us ceaselessly for us to come. He says, behold, I stand at the door and knock, meaning we must first allow God in and then without sedition, without reservation, give him the keys to every room in our house including the secret chambers of our heart. What does it demonstrate? Prayer is a matter of discipline. It is a direct reflection of our relationship with God. It identifies who we are, where we stand, and serves as a reflection of the authority that we have as his people, his chosen treasure. Out of the mist, he can hear us from the depths. He is able to see, as scripture reminds us, Where can I go and you not be there? We cannot escape God's eternal presence. James chapter 5 and verse 16 by turning reads, The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. Prayer is a means of communicating directly with our creator. He that shaped and fashioned us in his image. It is us acknowledging that we need him to survive and that our life is not our own. Out of the beauty of his holiness, he created the vastness of the universe. What he is not, however, is one who is co to human qualities in which we have grown accustomed 
He is far more than what we frequently hear coined in the phrase, the man upstairs. Matthew chapter 6, verses 5 through 8 tells us, And when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they receive their reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door and pray to your father who is unseen. Then your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like pagans, for they think by doing so because they have said many words. Do not be like them, for your father knows what you need before you ask him. Her prayers are not fixed to someone else, and they're not about fixing someone else. That is a matter reserved for God alone, but rather us acknowledging our need and desire for God, confessing our own sins and casting ourselves before him. It is asking him to cover and protect us and lead us away from the things that appeal so greatly to us, but are spiritually detrimental to our souls. Sometimes, however, the most difficult part of prayer is listening and waiting, of which the Bible offers numerous examples, which is why scripture reminds us in your patience, possess ye your souls. That's Luke chapter 21 or verse 19. Running ahead of prayer can have adverse consequences leading to severe outcomes. We should never do anything of consequence without having prayed first. One curious may ask, what is in your heart when you pray? My response is that it presents an opportunity for us to empty ourselves of those things that hinder or prevent God from hearing us. Undeniably, God is full of grace and slow to anger, but it does not mean that our time here on earth is infinite. That is where the miracle of prayer springs forth, causing us to examine ourselves, take inventory, clearly identifying the cracks and fissures in our lives. Because oftentimes we do not need saving from someone else or something else, but we need saving from our own selves. For we, me, you and I, are the only ones that can prohibit us from entering into the promised kingdom. Be assured God will not inquire about someone else, but will explicitly ask about us. Prayer indeed keeps us grounded as wisdom and humility allows us to see its indispensable value. What is required? I suppose that compels us to pause and think if only for a moment. The truth is our hearts lead us to and through prayer. It is the spirit of God that pushes us to pray and gives us the words to speak. Negative circumstances, however, should not be our sole motivation for praying in order for God to get us out of what we call self-imposed jams. What value would there be in that kind of relationship if the only time and our only petition was to get us out of hot water, but does absolutely nothing to address the true condition of our heart? 
We cannot rightly say the Lord should change this person or fix that person without retrospect. Likewise, there are layers to prayer as we pray for ourselves, for God to make us right. We pray for our families that God will keep and protect them from all hurt, harm, and danger and preserve them until the day of judgment. We pray for our communities to address the immediate and long-term needs of the people, schools and jobs and housing, public health and safety. We pray for our churches that they be a place of refuge and fellowship, houses of prayer in which the community can see the presence of God and his people. We pray for our leaders locally and nationally that God grant them the wisdom and courage to make the right decisions morally and ethically, not for selfish gain and wealth, but on behalf of even the least of us. And lastly, we pray for nations and particularly those that have not had the gospel delivered unto them in a manner in which Paul prayed in Colossians chapter one and verse nine saying, for this reason, since the day we heard about you, we have not stopped praying for you. We continually ask God to fill you with knowledge of his will through all wisdom and understanding that the spirit gives. In closing, what should we expect? We do not always pray with the expectation of receiving something tangible in return, such as something that we can see, smell, or touch, but rather out of necessity for our soul's sake. Our relationship with God is not mythical, but rather for a singular purpose of drawing us and keeping us near. Prayer is not always for the here and now, but rather something far more consequential than life itself, and that is eternity. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 17 to 18 tell us this. Pray without ceasing, and everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. Thank you so much for listening and sharing your time with me today. As Perspectives continues its outreach, I humbly ask for your prayers as I seek from God what it is that I am to share with you each week. If you enjoyed what you have heard, please subscribe using the Anchor or Spotify platforms. If you're listening to me via Anchor, leave a voice response by clicking on the message button and start recording when it turns red and follow the corresponding instructions. I would love to hear your thoughts about today's podcast. You can also send me an email directly at howarddc42 at yahoo.com or text to the phone number from which you received today's episode. God bless each of you and may the grace of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ be with you until we meet again.